Good evening. Uh, this is Victoria Warfel with Dream Dogs and Hope Service Dogs. I'm here with you today. Uh, it is Tuesday night, and this is our webinar on Dream Dog Central Florida Dog Training Facebook page. And what we do is we take this webinar, we download it, we upload it onto YouTube, and then we strip out the audio and upload it up to the podcast. Why do I do all this crazy stuff is to talk to you, to help you, and uh, because then we can reach more people. So some people like to listen to us on Facebook, some people like to listen to us on the podcast, and for some people, especially people who have to read lips, YouTube is the only way to go because they will do translate um, and they will put up the closed caption stuff for you. So it works out really good. So hello, hi Kimmy. Um, it has been a really weird week so far and it's only Tuesday and that's a little bit scary. Um, I was supposed to have a doctor appointment on Thursday. Well, they called me up yesterday and they're like, you have a doctor appointment on Wednesday. And I'm like, no, it's on Thursday. So uh, that one has to be rescheduled. And then I had uh, another appointment on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, and it was, oh, <laughs> are you ready for your appointment today? I'm like, oh, rats. And then I had somebody I was supposed to call today and I called her up. She goes, oh, I thought I made this appointment for tomorrow. So it's just been really weird with days getting all mixed up and I don't get it, but hey, whatever works. Um, today's been my day to talk to people on the phone and in person, uh, you know, had a bunch of stuff scheduled. So that's what I've been dealing with. Um, and I have a massive headache. I'm not going to say because of it, but I ended up with a massive headache. So, um, and I don't feel good. So we'll see how long I last tonight. If I have to abruptly sign off, you guys know why. Um, and in the meantime, this is not sponsored by it, but I have my Vita Coco coconut water. I just popped this open. So we'll see if I can drink a liter of it while we're sitting here talking. Uh, I found that it helps out tremendously. Um, this, and then I have some other little powdery things. Um, that's an electrolyte um, supplement. So if I can get through this, I will do that as well but I need to do something because my ears are already ringing, which is a precursor to me passing out. So bottoms up. So Kimmy says, miss you much. Kimmy, you know, we have group class and you and Graham are welcome to come to group class. Um, it's either Saturday or Sunday, currently 9 a.m. here. And this weekend it is Sunday. So if you wanna come on up, you are more than welcome to girl. Um, and like I said, it's here at the ranch. So I hope your headache goes away soon. Thank you, Maddie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was 4.30 and I'm like, I have to go live in an hour. I'm going to lie down and see if I get my headache to go away. <laughs> so that's Rich was like, where were you? I said, I was taking a nap. So it's nice to be able to take a nap. I don't like to take them that late, but hey, whatever works. So I'm just like, great. Then yeah, hopefully Kimmy, we'll see you this weekend. It starts at nine. If you want to be here a little bit beforehand, that works. Um, and what we're working on this month, guys, Unofficially, but officially, is focused. I just read an amazing article that I shared in our Facebook group. At least I think I did. I meant to if I didn't, on engagement and socialization. So that's what we'll start with. Um, I want to talk about engagement and socialization. I'm taking notes so I remember if I get off topic. I also want to talk about doctor visits because I was talking with one of my clients this week, and uh, yeah, yeah, we want to have our doctor visits. Uh, and then I have a bunch of uh, Q&As from before, so I figured we could do that too. So if you guys have a Q&A, 
that you and us and you are listening to us live on Facebook here, just go ahead and um, type it in. And then whenever we get to it, we can totally do that. Uh, here, service dog Q&A webinar. Got it on here. Okay. So first of all, engagement and socialization. It was a fantastic article written by somebody who said um, she doesn't socialize her dogs. And then she kind of backtracked and she's like, well, not in the way that most people socialize their dogs. When she gets a new puppy out, it's not a matter of how many things can the dog do? How many things can, you know, how many people can touch the dog? How many dogs can her dog meet? Instead, it's about getting her dog out in public and focused on her. Now, if you guys have worked with us at all, you know how important I think focus is. And that I am the queen of focus and engagement. And what does that mean is it means no matter what's going on, I want that dog to look at me and pay attention to me. And Candy, the government actually needs a lot of this work um, because she is very distracted whenever she goes out uh, for group class. But you know what? When I take her out in her hardest to wherever, she's pretty decent. She'll rubber neck it a little bit with the other dogs. But here she's like, oh, and I think part of it is for her because this is her home base where she can run around like an idiot outside too. And she doesn't understand the you can run around like an idiot now, but now I need you to focus on me and pay attention. Uh, so how to do this is when you have a puppy, when you have a dog, I don't care what you're training up for. I'm going to talk about service dog stuff because I do a lot of service dog stuff, but even just a normal pet dog, they do not have to get pets and go say hi to everybody that they see. They do not have to go to dog parks and go to dog places and go to kids' birthday parties and see all this stuff and go and interact with the kids. I want them to go to those places and interact with you and for you to tell people, no, you can't pet my dog. Okay. Um, take them out. Um, the example that she used in this article was uh, they were at uh, like a, uh, a stadium type of thing. And the dog was going up and down stairs, the puppies. Um, her friend had a puppy and was going up and down stairs and she had her puppy. And she was just working on focus and engagement stuff. So look at me, click and treat. What we started doing last week in group is, let me flip to yesterday, my notes right here, um, rats, I didn't write it on that one. Do I have it on here? To do Sunday group. Anyway, it was, it was focus and then click whenever the dog is looking at you. Um, focus spin we started doing which is your dog's on place and looking at you. And here's where some of it changes. Maybe I think you were asking about this. And um, because we have focus spin in the online course, but with the knee popo, you don't want to click and move around. So what we were saying is look, reward, move around. The dog looks at you, look, reward, move around. So your dog's getting the idea while you're on place. It's not a matter of sitting on place and tuning out. I want you to move and keep me in your line of sight. So you send the dog onto place. He's on place. He looks at you. Look, reward. Move. He looks at you. Look, reward. So it kind of works the same as uh, whenever they're in sit and you're working on extending out sit, that you say sit and then you reward. Okay. But it's look <laughs> and it's focus spins. So, uh, so that's what we started with. And then this week we're going to build on that. So if you are having problems with your dog's focus work, guys, you need me. This is fantastic. And it works really good. 
um, because that's the foundation. What is my ultimate end goal? This is what I've done with Gypsy, and this is what I do with Django now, is I want to be in a crowded environment, and my dog's ignoring everything to focus on me, to look at me, to tune out everything else. And so somebody comes up to me to talk to me about my service dog, and they're talking to me, and my dog's totally ignoring them because he's laser-locked on to me. It takes time, though. This isn't something that I want to focus. I'll go do a focus session. It'll all be good. It's not how it works at all. This takes time. So it will take time to, to get your dog to this point. So we're going to build on that. Like I said, this weekend, we're going to keep building on that. And it's a little bit here and there. Like I said, it's not one session and you're done. Not even one mega training session. Why? Because I like my training session short. I say five to seven minutes. It sometimes turned into 15 minutes. One thing I noticed, I think it was last night, we were working dogs. And Rich had one dog out for 20 minutes and the dog was done. It was Charlie Brown. And he was trying to get more and more out of him. But he was just done. So what's your dog? I want you guys to record your next training session with your dog and see how long your dog is up and doing it and active. Because, I mean, Charlie was out. He was trying to be good, but he was just done with it. And I'm like, Rich, you've been doing this, you know, for over 15 minutes now, and he's done. And he's like, I know, but I just want to get a little more out of him. And I'm like, I know you do, because that's the problem is you get impatient. Um, so remember with this stuff, guys, really, if you could do two to three minutes of focus work in the beginning, that's all you need in the beginning. Uh, so one of the things I did with Django today is um, walk and click. What do I mean by that? I had him out. Uh, we were waiting. We had uh, one of the things we had today was we had a person coming over. So I had him out with me with a clicker and treats. So I had the clicker in my hand, so he couldn't even see that I had it. I had the treats at my hip. I could have moved it towards my butt more so people couldn't see it. And any time I caught him looking at me, click, he bored. And sometimes I'd toss it. Sometimes I'd give it to him. And when he's done eating, if he looks at me again, click, just for looking at me. I wasn't telling him to look at me. Just happened to catch him looking at me. Guys, this is the foundation of the focus work stuff. Now, some dogs are going to be laser locked onto you anyway, and some dogs are going to be off in la-la land. I get it. I understand it. But have them start working for their food and doing it that way. Um, but focus is huge. One of the biggest pet peeves that I have, my biggest pet peeves, is he distracted my dog. You know, you can't distract a service dog because, like, I could die. If you distract my dog, I could die. I could. I could just die. It is my biggest pet peeve because don't blame somebody else for your dog's behavior. You cannot do it. Do not blame somebody else for your dog's failure to thrive in some situation or environment. Uh, I take my dog often to Disney and Universal. If something's going to make my dog distracted, it's probably going to be that. We just did a Comic-Con a couple weeks ago. You know, like busy, crowded, chaotic environments. And guess what? My dog stayed pretty focused on me. Why is because I do focus work. If my dog is distracted by a stranger in the environment, that is on me. That is not on the stranger who distracted my dog. In fact, some of the things that we do in order to proof that from happening is when my dog's sitting looking at me, I'll have people come up and brush them or uh, pet them, pet them on the back, right? I'll have people come up and call my dog by name. What's your dog's name? It's Gypsy. Oh, hey, Gypsy. If she looks at them, there's a correction involved. <gasps> a correction. Yes, I said the C word. 
Yes, I correct them if they misbehave. You have to. Are you kidding me? You have to do that. So they'll get a correction. Um, I'll get it where uh, people go to the dogs, right? It happens all the time. And if you don't believe me, go watch a service dog team because you're going to get it. You're going to hear it. You know what my dog's doing? They hear, they look at me, at me, because I am the one who does that. And they get rewards if during training, if they look at somebody else who does that. There is also, again, that correction involved. And you also have to be reasonable on what you ask for. Django's not even five months old. He is a puppy. Okay, even though he's enormous and he's a heathen, he's still a puppy. And I can't expect him to have the same focus that Arrow had at six years old. It's ridiculous. Like, he is a five-month-old puppy. So I need to expect him to have the focus of a better than five-month-old puppy because I get higher standards, right? Um, now, Gypsy's just about two. I haven't been doing as much with her because I have Django and I have Candy that I need to train up. And Gypsy's going to be coming into heat. And then she's going to be on sabbatical for four months while she's pregnant and has puppies. Doesn't mean that her training stops. So they both got to work for their dinner last night on focus work and they loved it. It was fantastic. And it's an easy way to get your dog their dinner, to have them work for it, and to have them happy because of it. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, if all this stuff is just gibberish to you, then you need to talk to me because engagement, focus, and look at me is where it's at. Now, what is look at me? Look at me is not look at me. Look up here. Here's a treat at my dog's nose. Here's a treat at my nose. Look at me. That is baloney. If you were doing that, you were cheating yourself and your dog and you look like a fool. Don't do that. Uh, instead, look for eyes. Eyes on me. Right? Your dog looks at you. What do you got, what do you got for me? Yeah. Yeah. I got this. Uh-huh. What are we doing? That is what I want. Okay. So we got a couple questions already. What is the best way to socialize my puppy to people and build her confidence with them? That is perfect, Maddie. Sorry, there's all these pauses. I'm trying to suck down some of this coconut water as I'm sitting here talking with you guys. Um, the best way to socialize is to do just what I said. Work on engagement and focus work, especially since MJ can be a little bit independent right there, right? Um, work on independence and our socialization through engagement. So then you take her out to a store, a park, you know, wherever you're going to take her out to, it's not a matter of letting everybody in the world come up to her and say hi on a good day. One or two people might say hi to my dog during an outing on a very good day, bad day, good day, on some day. Most of the time I say no, I do not want people coming up and petting my dog. Uh, and that's the same for you. What she needs to do as a service dog in training, which, what your dog or your puppy needs to do is learn to focus on you and ignore all that. So here's the problem. Here's my puppy, pet my puppy. Here's my puppy, pet my puppy. Here's my puppy, pet my puppy. No, don't look at people. You're supposed to be looking at me. Okay. And that's what a lot of people do. And a lot of people are under the misimpression, misimpression. I told you I am really out of it today. Mistaken impression which we are now calling misimpression because that sounds good. The mistaken impression that you have to get like a thousand people to touch your dog. You don't. I mean, you could be around a thousand people, but that focus is on me. And no, you're not allowed to pet my dog. He's not here for your entertainment. You want a dog to pet? There's stuffed animals in the shop over there. Um, but getting her out and around different things, different environments, that is going to be key. Um, 
not necessarily, like I said, the touching of things. If you find what I call a sticky point, um, for example, we had candy at SeaWorld, a roller coaster went by overhead and she, uh, and, and, you know, moved and she was, you know, got out of position, was a little apprehensive about the, which I can understand it. I'm not gonna make excuses for. So we worked her through it and then we brought her back to it and it happened again and she wasn't near as bad. So we need to hit her um, up at uh, Universal, but guess who came into heat? My candy girl came into heat. Uh, so because candy is in heat, um, her training is gonna be sidetracked for the most part on uh, on public outings. And then she wears her panties, but she I don't think she started dripping blood yet. Rich says he thinks she might have, but I haven't I haven't checked. Like I said, this has been my day of being back here and doing stuff. So, you know, it makes it a little bit harder to get stuff done, but it works. Uh, but Maddie, does that make sense for socialization um, for puppy and people to build her confidence with them? It's basically when she finds out they're a non-entity that she doesn't have to interact with or worry about. For example, as I look out my window here, because you guys are right in front of my window so I can look out and see pretty trees. Um, I don't see, I'm not worried about the trees because the trees don't interact with me. Right? How many people have phobias about trees? On Don't tell me, I'm sure there's people who have phobias about trees, but it's because you know they're, they're non-entities. You don't go over and interact with them. Now imagine if all the people were there and it was the same thing with the dogs. You know, but most dogs aren't afraid of trees. They just don't care unless like a squirrel fell on them or something. Um, here, Maddie also says, my other trainer wanted me to have lots of people pet her for a month because with my washout, we didn't let people pet and he was more fearful. So one of the things in the article, and I totally wholeheartedly agree with, is a lot of it is genetics. So the other one was a chocolate lab too, and I don't care what people say, they're crazy. I'm chocolate, my labs are my least favorite labs for service work. I mean, silver labs would be up there too, but out of the three, I don't like chocolate labs because they're usually nutty like that. Um, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but yeah, read the article, Maddie. I think I put it in the group. If you, if not, if you want to message me, I am more than happy to find it for you. Um, and then she, Maddie also says, your way makes sense. I like the engagement stuff. I wanted a, I want 110 focus when she's older. 110% focus, totally, exactly. Yeah, I want that laser lock. And you know, one of the things that I always get compliments on, I got compliments on Django at three months old while we traveled to Missouri for gold school. Um, and everywhere else I take them to is, holy cow, look at that dog's focus on you. Talk about the best compliment you can get. It's not a, he's so pretty. I know I had nothing to do with that. It's how well-trained he is and it's that focus. And a lot of it is because I reward that focus so heavily. That focus is life. Um, I want that. I want him to be all, all with me, all right there. And today it was funny because so we put up, we got an above ground pool. We figured we didn't want to level the ground there and add in a bunch of sand because I don't know where I'm going to want it in the future. Uh, you know, we're going to want a real pool in the future. Um, so we we put it up there. Well, the side with the filter is taller than the other side. So like it was a little bit unlevel, not much, but enough that Rich is like, well, I don't want to leave it there. So we had to drain the pool and now we, he wants to move it and set it up somehow different. I don't know what he wants to do. I tell him put it under carport then and he hasn't yet because that has a cement slab. So I don't know what we're gonna do with where he plans on moving it to, but I want it up because I wanna swim because it's hot, because it's Florida, it's 100 degrees. Um, but so I had him out there while we were getting it cleaned out today 
And he just happened to look at me, Django did it, and I clicked and I treated him. And he was like, holy crap, it happens out here too. I love this game. And then he's like, he's standing in front of me looking at me. And if I don't pay attention, he'll kind of move and look at me like, hey, did you see what I'm doing here? I'm looking at you. So yeah, you did. Click and treat. I love it. Click and treat. Oh, Maddie, you are more than happy. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Robin says, I use Learberg Method of Socialization, same principle. Good. Yeah, I'm not familiar with their method of socialization is, but if it's the same principle, that works for me. Okay, another question we have from Catherine is, how can you transfer touch into using the nose instead of pause? <coughs> Sorry about that. I think I made the mistake of teaching Marshall touch, and he started using his pause. And it's great, especially for crosswalk buttons that I can't get to. However, if the button's at eye level, he's confused. Um, so what you want to do with that is it's two different commands here. Um, it's the nose touch, which I call touch, you know, um, touch their nose into my hand. And then paw is the paw touch. Again, you can change it. You can call it nose and paw if you want to. Uh, usually for the paw, when you teach that, whenever you present your hand to your dog or the target to your dog, you're presenting it at or above their, their shoulder right? And for a nose touch, usually what you do in the beginning is put your nose or put your hand right in front of the dog's nose and wait for it. Now you can rub hands on your treats, rub hot dog on your treats or on your hands. Rub stuff on your hands so it's stinky, right? And hold it right there. What's your dog going to do? He's going to touch it because he really, you're putting your hand about an inch in front of your dog's nose, maybe two inches in front of your dog's nose. What else is he going to do? Especially if it smells like hot dog juice, right? He's going to touch it. You click and you capture it that way. So, Catherine, I don't want you to think of transferring touch into using the nose instead of the paw. Um, I want you to think of it as a separate command that you're teaching because it is. That is exactly what it is. And he should pick it up faster because of it. I prefer starting with the, um, the nose touch, right, instead of the paw touch because I think it's more polite um, to butt me with your nose than to rake me with your foot and your claws especially whenever you're talking about some of the bigger or like gypsy doing it she's like a mac truck and whenever she touches me she she does a paw alert onto my knee like ah especially since we live in florida and i wear shorts most of the year shorts and capris i don't wear jeans it's too hot for me to wear jeans and again i pass out in the heat so uh so yeah so i don't wear jeans and i don't want her to uh to hurt me you know to uh to get me all scratched up so i usually use the nose alert and then whenever it comes time so usually nose alert is up by the nose paw alert is down by the chestal area uh and don't name it until you love it right capture it capture it capture it capture it while they're doing it name say the name of it and capture it say the name of it and capture it say the name of it and capture it say it right before you know they're going to do it it's not going to happen wham bam thank you ma'am it'll be some time so any other questions, go ahead and write them in there. Um, can any breed be a service dog? Uh, technically, yes. Realistically, no. Sorry, no. Um, there's some breeds that I'm not going to say, oh, that would be a great service dog for you. Um, and a lot of it is because of what they were bred to do. Guys, genetic is so powerful. So you guys have heard the story about Rue, our Border Collie. Rue is four or five years old now. We got him. 
he passed the Volhard temperament test for good for service dog work. And I wanted him, we were going to train him up as a diabetic alert dog. He doesn't like doing it. He has all the training for it. He would make an awesome uh, service dog for an autistic kid because he loves to give hugs all the time. That's his favorite thing is to give hugs. He'll bring toys. He'll go fetch, you know, like things like that. He would be so amazing. He's been to Disney before as part of his training. He just doesn't like to do it. So if Era was out of commission and I needed someone, I would take Rue, but Rue hates it. You know what Rue loves to do? He loves to herd my cows, my goats, and my chickens. That's what he loves to do. He is a border collie. Of course, it's what he loves to do. It's what he was bred for. And that can run into problems. You get a dog and you're like, I want this dog for whatever. Well, genetics dictates elsewhere. Um, I know a lot of people will use like sight hounds, greyhounds, because they're big, right? Um, as service dogs. <sighs> they have a lot of prey drive, right? They want to chase the cat. So you're out in public, you see a small dog, you see a squirrel and, and the dog's off and you're like having a wonky, not feeling good day and you're trying to use your dog for brace or whatever and your dog's gone. You need to really be able to counter that. Um, that's why you want to choose a dog from the group, from the dog group, right? Dog who is heavily working with people like a golden, a lab or a standard poodle, just technically a retriever. They have it in the miscellaneous, I believe, but it is, they were bred as hunting dogs, poodles were. Hunting dogs work with people. Now, then you also have beagles, right? Beagles, foxhounds, pack dogs for hunting, where they send them out with the whole pack to go find the, the critter. Those dogs are used to hunting in a pack. Those dogs, you don't always have a lot of dog aggression with those type of dogs, right? Because they're used to being in a pack of dogs. But what don't you have is that love that I want to work for one person, that I'm going to be obedient all the time because they get to do their own thing as long as they find the prey and stick with the group. Does this make sense? Um, who else? What else can I pick on? Dog wasn't trying to think of different breeds. And I told you I have a headache, so I'm a little bit out there right now. Um, just try to get one that is used to working with people. Um, so can any breed be a service dog? Yes, any breed can be. You can find different for certain service dogs of all different breeds. Um, but set yourself up for success. Service dogs are what they call unicorns, right? I love unicorns growing up. I still love unicorns. Um, I can't find them though, <laughs> uh, you know, out in the out in the wild. But you know how hard it is to go find a unicorn. Well, it's going to be that hard to find the dog who can be a service dog because you're looking for that one in a million dog. Even the ones who are specially bred and trained through programs for work, half of them fail out. Now I know why some of them fail out is because they can't tell the dog no or use a different way of training with that dog, uh, but. You know, like these are dogs who are bred genetically for it and they still half, half don't make it. So if you're like, I want to get an Akita and Akita's going to be my service dog because look how badass I'll be with an Akita. Like seriously? Gypsy squeakity toy. Seriously, don't do that. Don't try to prove something to the world just because you want to get an Akita and be a badass Akita service dog person. And don't message me and tell me that someone has an Akita service dog and he is the greatest thing in the world because I don't care. I had a Siberian Husky as a service dog. I never recommend people get a Siberian Husky service dog. 
I had a Malinois service dog. I have another one, a Malinois service dog in training. I tell people, please don't get a Malinois service dog. You're going to set yourself up for disappointment because they are a lot of dog. You think your dog is a lot of dog? This is a lot of dog times 10. Um, so don't do it. You know, play the odds. Go with the odds, right? Hedge your bets. Be smart. Okay? Don't. Because even a broken clock's white twice, right? You know what that means? That no matter what, you know, even broken, it doesn't work. It's still going to be right twice a day, whatever it happens to be the time that it ended on. That's for the clocks with the hands on them. Okay? Um, can my kid help train my dog? Age appropriate. It depends. That's our next question. Can my kid help train my dog? Um, it depends. With uh, Here, I'll write it up here. Can my kid help train my dog? And this, for pet dogs, for service dogs, it depends. I do not want you to get a dog and say, oh, it's my kid's dog. And like my kid, I'll do all the work and the training. How old's your kid? He's three. It's not gonna happen. In fact, anytime we do service dogs with kids, under 14, usually 14 and under, it is a, you boss, stop it. It is a trio training, right? It's not just, it's his dog. It's all three of you, and I don't care what the dog's for. If the dog's for diabetic alert, if the dog's for um, autism, if the dog's for anything, it is a triad for training. So it's the dog, it's the child, it's a parent, right? And a lot of them don't understand the work and the commitment involved with that. They expect to get a dog who's going to be Mary Poppins on four legs and take care of the kids so they don't have to. That's what I've seen, guys. I've talked with a lot of parents i'm very particular with because of that because i know that it's a lot of work involved and i want i know the parent wants it you know of course the parent wants it they want what's best for their child but it's a lot to to handle it's a lot to deal with so if you have a kid any kid because this would happen with pet dogs especially in gainesville with pet dogs all the time i don't get as many kids out here but yes there are things that kids can do to help train the dog i'm um, using food um, in training, what you can do is have the clicker, and every time you click, um, the kid gives the dog a treat, or drops a handful of food onto the floor. Or if you have a secondary bowl on the floor, drops a handful of food into the secondary bowl. Do not do this with any sort of food aggression. But it's a great first step for what the kid can do. Um, if the kid's small enough to be carried while you're feeding and training the dog, carry the kid around so the dog see it coming from both of you. Um, if your dog knows that sit means sit, Right, tell them sit. Have the kid tell them sit. You know, then you got somebody else to proof the commands with. Um, if you're doing sit on the dog leash and the kid is an early teenager, um, doing homework, he can do sit on the dog leash with that. He can have the dog on place. There's things that you can do. Don't make your kid to be the one to feed him and to clean up the poop, but only do that. Don't let your kid be the only one to train him or to play with them. You know, you have to understand that if you have a kid and you're training up the dog. Your kid, you guys are so stupid. Um, your kid isn't going to be out there cleaning up poo. That's going to be your job. Watering it is probably going to be your job. Feeding and training, hopefully you can split it. Um, fun time like ball outside, hopefully you can split it. You can't be the fun police and your kid do all the fun stuff. And you have to put a stop to it all the time. That's not going to be fun. It's not going to work. Um, you have to be realistic. I went to a, uh, a client house. 
years ago, years and years and years ago when I did in-home sessions. I don't do those anymore. Um, went to a client's house. The, it was around dinner time. Now, they set the time for it. It was, I think, 6 o'clock at night. I get there, and they have – there's toys everywhere. She's cooking dinner. The kid's watching TV, and the kid's maybe three years old. And uh, I don't know what the dad was doing. And they're like, oh, the dog trainer is here. Child, you have to shut off your movie. I believe it was Cars was the movie they were watching. You have to shut off your movie. Child, shut off your movie. Child, the dog trainer is here. You have to shut off your movie. Come over here and sit and listen because the dog trainer is here. And she's going to tell you how to train your dog. The kid was like three. I'm like, so first of all, I'm the evil one who comes over and interrupts the fun of him watching his TV show, right? Um, the house is a disaster, so I don't know where they expected to train the dog at because the house was a disaster. And I'm not instructing a three-year-old child on how to train her dog, his dog. It's not going to happen. I am not their parent. I have my own child, and I instructed him. Um, but I'm not going to instruct that. Like, that is your job. I will show you what to do. I will give you some hints and advice on what I think a child's appropriate, capable of doing. But they are your child, and you know what they are capable of. So what we ended up doing with that client is I took one of the parents, we went outside and we swapped out and I took the other one outside, but there was no room in the house because it was literally covered with toys. It was one of the, I don't want to say dirtiest, but most I've been in. And I was like, holy cow. And I, I still vaguely remember where they live. It was, it was something else. I tell you. Okay. So next is we're having a bit of a problem. If someone leaves the door open, my dog will run away. She won't push to get out the door, but if she sees an opening, she'll just go and explore the neighborhood. And I'm not sure how to get her to knock that off. Um, now that's something that isn't good, right? That's something that could really cause a lot of troubles. Um, my, my parents have a fenced yard and they had cats. And they, can't, they have a dog too, but they have a bunch of cats. And the cats were out into the fenced yard. Well, one time the lawnmower guy left the gate open and the cat went outside and the cat was never seen again. And it was terrible. It was just terrible because, you know, they loved the cat. They couldn't find him. They have no idea to this day what happened to him. All because the lawn guy left the gate open. So what you need to do in this situation, um, this is where I use the e-collar. And I said, a month that you do not cross through this door until I tell you to. Period. End of story. Because this is lifesaver, guys. Life saving. Um, you can also put in a storm door or a screen door that will automatically shut. So then if you leave the main door open, the storm and screen door is shut automatically. So if somebody leaves it, you know, she doesn't get to do that. If she, and especially if she won't push to get out the door, like it'll shut on its own because you can't rely on people following the rules. Just, it doesn't happen. Um, so for that, I would do the threshold stuff. And if she would try to go out on her own, cause you do, you will have to set her up for this one. She's going to get a stim. She's going to get that correction. Cause again, life saving thingies that's going on here. Okay. Um, I was wondering if in your next webinar you can go over the testing and where to get those done for the novice home trainer. I have no, excuse me, I've never tried training and I would like to know about the Volhard test and how to find someone to do the testing. You also talked about hip and joint testing. Is this something um, that I would get from his, the regular veterinarian? 
I'm thinking I can't be the only one that's not familiar with the subject, so maybe it'll help others too. Definitely, yeah, we can totally talk about that. So Volhard test, what I want you guys to do is I want you to open up a window on your meet on your um, computer. If you're on the computer, if you're listening to me on your phone, then don't do it because then you'll lose me. If you're watching this on Facebook, if you're listening to the podcast, you could totally do it. But do a Google search when you're done for Volhard puppy test, V-O-L-H-A-R-D, Volhard puppy test. And I'm going to do that with you right here. Volhard puppy test, V-O-L-H-A-R-D. And which is hopefully the volhard.com backslash pages backslash P-A-T, puppy aptitude test dot P-H-P. Now there's different ones, so it depends. Like check out some of them because it's the same information. It's just they're arranged a little differently. So one of them is going to appeal to you more, and you can always take the information and regurgitate it however you find it easier. What it is, what you do, and this occurs at day 49. I have had, I don't know how many people tell me, well, I did the Volhard test at five weeks old and at nine weeks old, and this is where he scored. No, it's done one time at 49 days old, period. Don't do it at 48 days old and 50 days old and average them out. You can only do it once because once they've seen it once, you're going to skew the score. Um, I've had people tell me, well, I did the Volhard puppy test at two years old. No, you can't do it at two years old. 49 days old. No, if you can't do it at 49 days old, do it when you can, closest to them, you know, but know that it's going to skew the score a little bit. But it's going to still give you an idea, especially if you look at everything on where your dog should be. And when you do the test, do the test one time. Don't say, well, he kind of failed this one, so let's do it a few times so he gets a higher score. You have to be honest with yourself when it comes to this. For example, here we go. You ready? Tests for social attraction. Put, place the puppy in the test area. From a few feet away, the tester coaxes the puppy to him or her by clapping his hands gently and kneeling down. Texter must coax in a direction away from the point where it entered the test area. So if I entered from my, what's that, my left, my right, I'm going to go to the left and I'm going to coax away from that test area. Um, and the purpose is to find the degree of social attraction, confidence, or dependence. Degree of social attraction, confidence, or dependence. Um, that's repeated. Anyway. The score, this is how you're going to score. There's six possibilities, right? Came readily, tail up, jumped and bit at your hands. Came readily, tail up, pawed and licked at hands. Came readily, tail up, came readily, tail down. Came hesitantly, tail down, did not come at all. And what you need to do is figure out where exactly the puppy fit into that. Say the puppy came readily with a tail up. You would circle a three because that was number three on the test. Um, say the puppy kind of came to you and then kind of wandered off. Well, then you have to figure out where the puppy's going to fit into that. If the puppy kind of came to you and kind of wandered off and wasn't paying attention, I would score that when number five came hesitantly tail down. The next one is following. You stand up and walk away from the pup in a normal manner. Make sure the pup sees you walk away. And that tests what's the purpose? The degree of following attraction, not following indicates independence. So you want them to follow you. So if the dog followed readily with a tail up and got underfoot and bit at your foot, that would be a one. Two, tail up, got underfoot. Three is follow readily, tail up. Four is follow readily, tail down. Five is followed hesitantly, tail down. And six is didn't follow or went the other way. So what did your puppy do? Uh, now you can see here too where doing this for a litter of 10 puppies shouldn't take that long. 
but it's going to help to have somebody do the test and either score them or tell you what it is, but it doesn't take anyone in particular to do this. I offer to do it. I charge if I do it. Um, nobody's taking me up on it yet, which is fine because it's so easy to do. You can get one of the breeder's friends to do it. If the friend hasn't been around the puppies, this should be a stranger to the puppies. So I did something similar to this whenever we got Gypsy. Um, I went through some testing, um, but I, I knew it was going to be her. And if you have listened to some of the videos and podcasts and stuff on what we did to pick Gypsy, you know, you're going to find out why. Um, here's strength. You crouch down and gently roll the puppy onto his back and hold it with one hand for a full 30 seconds. And what's the purpose? It shows the degree of dominant or submissive tendency, how it accepts stress when socially or physically dominated. So number one for this one is struggled fiercely, flailed, and bit. Number two is struggled fiercely and flailed. Three is settled, struggled, settled with some eye contact. Four is struggled and then settled. Five is no struggle. Six is no struggle in straining to avoid eye contact. Uh, next is social dominance. Let puppy stand up and gently stroke him from the head to the back while you crouch beside him. Uh, continue stroking until a recognizable behavior is established. And the purpose is to the degree of acceptance of social dominance. The pup may try to dominate by jumping and nipping or it's independent and walk away. Right? So jumped, pawed, bit, growled is one. Two is jumped and pawed. Three is cuddled up to test her and tries to lick face. Four is squirm, licked hands. Five is rolled away, licked hands. Six is went away and stayed away. Right? And then there's other ones. There's, there's a bunch of them. And you score it and you see what works, but here we go. This is the interpretation of the scores, and this is the key, guys. You want mostly fours. The dog is submissive and will adapt to most households, maybe slightly less outgoing and active than a dog who scored threes, but if you take them to a puppy class, you're going to have the star of the class with very little work on your end. That's what you want when you're training a service dog or a pet dog. You want mostly fours. Three can do well, um, for your second service dog. Don't get him for your first service dog. He might be too energetic for you. Okay? So you have that. You have the baseline. And that's what the Volhard test is. It gives you a baseline of where your puppy is versus the other dogs in the litter. Uh, and say they're all terrible, so they're all scoring scores that you don't want. Well, then you know not to do that. But it's all you got to do is Google it. She has it up there. She gives it away for absolute... And we should be taking advantage. Now, I've had people say, well, it doesn't really show anything because you can't really tell. <sighs> Take it or leave it. At least it's something. Otherwise, you might as well close your eyes and pick. You know, you want to know roughly where the dog is. Now, Rue, the Border Collie, um, the breeder had, because she knew we were looking for service dog um, candidate. So she had a friend come out who hadn't been around the litter before and scored them all. I still have his test forms in his folder. Um, showing what he got. And he got mostly threes and fours. Um, that's what I wanted, you know, is is a dog who is mellow, who is easygoing. Um, so, yeah, Volhard puppy test. Next is, can you talk about hip and joint testing? I actually just talked to a friend about this on the phone just before um, for the webinar tonight. Um, there's two main hip and elbow joint testing things that you do. And it's OFA, which stands for Orthopedic Foundation of America, and there's Penn Hip from Penn State came up with it, so they named it Penn Hip because they're not very original when it comes to naming things. But that's okay. I'm from Pennsylvania, so I can say that. 
right? I, I actually said that I went that way. So what it does is it measures two different things. One of them measures how the hip and the ball, how the ball of the hip fits in the socket. And the other one uh, measures the laxity of the hip joint. So they measure two separate things. Most breeders like to go with OFA testing because that's what we've always done. Um, I've heard that pen hip is actually better. I don't know. I don't know. I've never done pen hip. I've done OFA on two of my dogs. I did it on uh, Arrow and I did it on Gypsy. So Arrow, when we did his, we went to UF in Gainesville. Um, they had to sedate him and do it and then to send it and everything else. I think it was $400, and this was a number of years ago. Um, to do that for Gypsy, it was like 200 and that was for hips and elbows for both of them. Um, Gypsy, I've done in a dog show. Can any vet do OFAs? Technically, yes, but you want a vet who's done them because he knows how to get a better picture, right? Um, without hurting the dog and a better picture for OFA. So we got Gypsies on there. Technically, her prelims, her preliminaries, um, they're not her official OFAs because she was 22 months old when we did them. They're supposed to be 24 or older. But since she turns two in August, you're also not supposed to get them a month before or after coming out of or going into heat. Um, so we didn't do candies yet, and now candy's in heat. So we could have done them when we first got her, but we were expecting her to go into heat last month, not the middle of this month. Anyway, um, so like I said, we could have done hers, but you really don't always know when they're going to come into heat. So that works. Uh, OFA has seven scale, seven grades that you can um, get whenever they score them. Excellent, good, fair. Those are all no hip dysplasia. Borderline and then moderate, mild, and severe hip dysplasia, I think. It's like crap, 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 borderline, and good. Like that's what you get. So excellent, good, fair. There is sometimes a hair difference between those. And what they do is they take those x-rays and they show them to three different vets and they make their, like, I think this is an excellent hip. I think it's a good hip. Well, I think it's a good hip. Okay, now it's a good hip. Okay. Um, gypsy tested as fair hips and arrow tested as good hips. We also tested arrow at four years old. So who knows? He might have been better hips if we would have tested him earlier. Um, but we didn't. Uh, if you're going to do it for breathing, that's one thing. Um, if you're going to do it for, uh, for mobility clearance, it's a different thing. Um, so breeding, you can do both if you want to. The pen hip around four months old or older. So Django could get his pen hip. For pen hip, they do have to um, sedate them. Uh, I don't know how much I want to sedate my five-month-old puppy. Um, for OFAs, they do not have to sedate them. They can, but they do not have to. So Era was sedated for his OFAs. Gypsy was not. I was there with Gypsy. They had her on her back on the x-ray table in one of those V things. We were there petting her. Um, he pulled her legs down. They snapped the picture. That was it. And since she's very stretchy anyway, she, she willingly offered it. For pen hip, they have to get him into a different position um, just to show the different angles. And it can be a little bit sore for them from what I am. Uh, and it's something, too, whenever you're looking at buying a puppy, okay, you want the parents to have had their hip and elbow testing or whatever it is. Apparently, Dobermans, they don't need the elbows. It's just the hips. Uh, I have a friend who was very into Dobermans. And what she was telling me is she, and she's also a veterinarian, that she has not seen <coughs> Dobermans with hip dysplasia, but it's still good to get it because why not? 
Um, so, so you have that as an option. You don't want to have my vet says that they're healthy. That's not good enough. And if you're looking for clearance for mobility work, I do recommend going to an orthopedic vet or having the x-ray films shared with an orthopedic vet and getting their okay before you do it. Now, if you do it, your dog scores excellent, good, or fair, you're pretty decent anyway. Um, you know, and there's really nothing to worry about. But yeah, so those that's the health testing. Um, so for Gypsy being a golden, it's hips, elbows, eyes, and heart, and then genetic panel um, is something that we decided to do with her as well. So her and Roma already have their genetic panels done. I need to do Jenga's and I need to do candies, and I haven't done them yet. Um, candy, we're probably going to do the Doberman database. Um, there's a Doberman project, and so you can get the genetic testing done that way. Um, and Jenga will do it. I don't plan on breeding him here, right? But I do have a couple friends who might be interested. I know one for sure is interested. Um, a couple other ones who might be, depending on how he turns out. I have time for it. It's a cheek swab. So Gypsy and, and Roma have their genetic test done. Gypsy has her hips and her elbows. Um, this Saturday, we're not doing group on Saturday because we're heading to Ocala to get her eyes and her heart testing done. Um, so once she gets those, she will be good to go. Um, it won't be an issue. Uh, she'll have all her clearances needed. Now, technically, because she'll be, she's under two years old, if I, if you search the OFA database, she shouldn't be on it yet. Uh, and I want her to be. So that means after she turns two, you know, between litters, I can get her re-hip and elbowed. I can redo that, submit those, and then she'll be in the OFA database, okay? And then I could submit her eyes and her heart testing to them, and I can submit her genetic panel. So whenever you search for her on the OFA database, you will see her. If you search for Arrow, you will see him. His name was uh, Warful Soaring Arrow. So he's up on there. But Gypsy is um, Good Times Dream Dogs Gypsy Storm. And last time I checked, she was not on there. Um, and it was because of that, which isn't a big deal. Like I have the paper saying that her prelims came back. I did talk to the vet. Because I said, she is 22 months old. I said, do I have to redo it? And he's like, no, you don't have to redo it. You're fine. So I said, okay. Um, and another one, uh, everything you need to have before you bring your service dog home and where to get everything, when to get everything. Um, for that, I'm going to give you a quick rundown because that might be its own um, in and of itself. Actually, it will be its own in and of itself. Um, you need to have, if this is something that you have coming home soon and you need it, uh, give me one second. Sorry about that. You need to have food, crate, um, watering food bowls, some toys. I prefer Kong toys. If I had my choice, the world would have Kong toys. Um, you need to have a collar or harness and a leash. Uh, you'll need to have something to present home right now because it's wicked hot outside. Um, in fact, in our online course at howtotrainyourservicedoc.com. We have a whole bunch of videos just on gear for your dog. Gear, gear for hot weather, gear for cold weather, um, because it all changes. But you don't want to bring your dog home and then have to run out and buy a leash and collar, have to run out and buy food and bowls. So these are things order ahead of time or get on Chewy and you'll have it in like a day or two. Okay. Those are my already questions. Okay. 
And Nicole said she's planning on doing Rio's OFAs for hips and elbows after he turns two. Yeah, Roma needs hers done. Um, so I don't know if we'll do them right before she turns two. She turns two in March. Or if we'll just do her afterwards. Um, I have to look and see what all poodles need. Dobermans need a crap ton of stuff. Um, I had it written down in my old um, bullet journal. Um, so I, I could refer back to it. But they need um, genetic. They need the... Um, all sorts of stuff. Mind blank right now. Um, Von Wildebrandt's, uh, the DCM1 and 2, a thyroid, a, a heart monitor, a halter heart monitor, um, everything. Uh, when we were adding it up, based on, usually if you go to the dog, it's time, go to one of the dog shows, well, find out, don't just go there and say, do you have OFA testing? But check the local dog shows and see if anyone's offering OFA testing. Like I said, we found that it was down in Tampa, so we just went down there and had it done. Um, we had our appointment made, we went there and it was basically walk in and get it done. It was so nice. And because they were doing so many, you know, they're gonna be good at it. Um, but yeah, so we just went and did it. Uh, for pen hip, it has to be a special vet. Um, they can, however, if you look on the pen hip website, uh, they will, um, it'll say who the vets are, right? So I think, and then you can, um, the vets can go through training through the website as well. So then they can be approved to take it. So if it's something your vet's interested in, I talked to Arvid here about it um, before, if they would do OFAs or pen hips. And the girl at the desk was like, yeah, we do them all the time. And I get there because I'm thinking, you do not. And I, and I asked the vet because we had an appointment scheduled for something else with one of the dogs. And I, I said, do you guys do OFAs? And they're like, no. They're like, we can if you need it. But usually whenever people come to us and want an x-ray for something like that, you know, we just look at it. We tell them if it's good or not. And, and we don't submit. Um, and why I'm saying that is there was a breeder that all are a vet. Uh, that all the breeders went to um, Dr. McBride, who was up here in Wildwood, maybe 10 minutes from my house, 15 minutes from my house. She just retired because I was going to contact her for gypsies x-rays and she just retired. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Apparently she also did a beautiful Doberman ear as well. She did the cropping really nicely. Um, but after much thought and deliberation, when we breed candy, I don't think I'm going to offer that um, the ear cropping because it breaks my heart looking at Candy, seeing half of her ears gone. Um, and the floppy ears are very cute. She is a European Doberman. They don't crop over there anymore. And it's harder to find a vet who crops ears. Then it is <laughs> three to six months on up worth of work afterwards to make sure that you're posting them and that they stay upright. I prefer the look of an up ear, but not all the maintenance involved with it. Uh, and then it turns out the ones who do do it, if you can find them, it's going to be about 850 on up to get an ear cropping done. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's not here or there. So yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that with Rio. Nicole there. Good job. Um, Stephanie asked the best method to stop pulling on a leash. Um, what, what collar harness are you using currently? So here's the thing too. What the best method is my method <laughs> or I wouldn't be doing it. Right. My method is the best method for not pulling on a leash. My method is the best method for training dogs of any way, shape, or form because it's what I do. If something else worked, that's what I would be doing, okay? So if you want a glimpse on what I do, you go to our YouTube channel, which is Dream Dogs, D-E-D-R-E-A-M, Dream, D-O-G-C, Dogs, 
in um, search our playlists. I believe we had one for leash work. Um, check that out. You know, but it's because it's not. If you're using a prong already, we're gonna have to switch. If you're using a head halter already, we're gonna have to switch it. Um, I like to introduce them to a new tool and get them started. Now, Maddie had a question in one of the Facebook groups that her dog on a prong collar would see something and pull towards it and like scream bloody murder. Well, Charlie Brown, the houndy dog that we have in right now, we put the first three days when we were doing the tree to tree stuff, he was on a slip lead and it was all good. And then we put him on a prong collar on day number four and he flips out. He's like, ah, you're killing me. And we're not doing anything. Like it is loose. The leash is loose. And he's still flailing around acting like we're killing him. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I need to videotape this for Maddie. And of course I didn't. But what we do is we just dramatically make sure that it stays really loose on him and that they see that this isn't an issue. But we just go very, very gently. Now you could say to me, well, wait a minute. If he did okay on the uh, on the slip lead, why don't you leave him on there? Is because we need something that's better. I want something that is uh, not going to hurt him. A lot of times with the, a flat collar, a martingale, a choke chain, a slip lead, they're pulling right down the front of their throat. All that pressure is concentrated right there. And we don't want that. We don't want that at all. So it's not one method. It's not one thing. It's not like I can say, well, do the tappy too. And when you do the tappy too, it's going to be good. And your dog's not going to pull anymore. It's everything. Okay. But my way, my way is the best way. Um, Nicole said she did dog's x-rays of her local vets, but no OFA. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens quite frequently, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, OFA versus pen hip. Pen hip we talked about. We did Q&As. Doctor visits is what I wanted to talk about also. So I was talking with, with a client who was out here a couple days ago or yesterday. Told you time is in flux right now. It's wibbly wobbly, tiny whiny. Uh, and bonus points if you get the reference. Um, if you get the reference, tell me what the reference is from. Bonus points if you know the exact episode. Um, and I'll give you a hint. <laughs> and again, if you think I'm crazy, um, I'm not. I'm really, truly not crazy. Okay. So I went to the doctor years ago. I was like, let's see, Luke was born, I was 25. So I must have been 26 or 27 years. I go to the doctor, to the cardiologist when we lived in Maryland, in Easton, Maryland. And um, I want to talk to him about having my dog be good as a service dog for me for the neurocardiogenic syncope. And it was, um, he thought I was faking it for attention. And so he sent me over to John Hopkins in Baltimore. I go to John Hopkins and the doctor over there says, <laughs> he thinks you're faking it. <laughs> you're not faking it. You have neurocardiogenic syncope and you have a pretty bad, worse than most people that we say. I go, huh? I know. Uh, why don't doctors believe you? Is this something that only happens to women? Is it something that only happens to women who have disabilities? See, my, the people who I can ask this of is a little skewed because most people I talk to about doctors and stuff are people who have disabilities because if you don't have a disability, you don't have a service dog. Um, or I also had one, I would get pneumonia every fall. Every fall, without fail, I get pneumonia. So 
right before I got pregnant with Luke. I was 24 when I got pregnant, 25 when I had him. Um, right whenever I, actually I was 24 and then I turned 25. Um, but right whenever I got pregnant with him, I got a pneumonia vaccine. It had just come out, right? And, and so I got the pneumonia vaccine about 18 years ago. And um, I didn't get pneumonia since then, which has been really great. But I felt before I got the shot, right? Um, years, years before, probably in my late teens, early 20s, I knew I was coming down with pneumonia because I got it every year. And so I go to the doctor, who's a new doctor, and I'm like, I, I'm coming down with pneumonia. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. He goes, I'm going to send you to get x-rays. I said, okay, that's fine. It was in-house x-ray. It's not like I had to drive across town. So I said, okay, that's fine. So he sends me over to get x-rays. He meets me back up again. And uh, he goes, yeah. you know, kind of ashamed, bashful, and embarrassed all at once. He goes, yeah, you're, you're starting to get pneumonia. Here, here's your prescription for it. I don't know again if it's because I'm a woman because I have a disability or what, if they would do the same thing with a man, but then they would because Rich had it a few years ago. Um, and this is his, I love and miss arrow story, right? So he's not here. So I get to tell his story. Um, he came down with a cold flu thing right before Christmas and it lasted until June or July. It was terrible. It was hell, man. And what happened was he couldn't breathe. At night, he would lie down and he couldn't breathe. He he couldn't catch his breath. He'd cough and cough and cough. So he spent about six months sleeping on the chair, on the recliner chair or on the couch. And Arrow would stay up with him at night. Arrow would come back to bed with me. Once I would, you know, come up into bed with me. Once I would fall asleep, he would go back and spend the, the night with Rich because Rich was up. So he said, you know, that Arrow spent the time he, that he didn't know if he was going to die or not with him helping watch over him while he kind of snoozed on the chair, trying to keep breathing. Um, and Rich has also said that because he's not a smoker, thank goodness, but he went to the doctor, I don't know how many times, and the doctor, oh, it's going to take some time to go away. It's going to take some time. You're fine. Here's an inhaler. Oh, you're still fine. They give him prednisone, prednisone would help. He's off of prednisone. He still can't breathe again. Finally, he's at the doctor because the, the nurse person was kind of like, uh, but he's at the doctor and the doctor's like, I heard it. I just heard it. So I don't know if they thought Rich was faking because he liked going to the doctor and not being able to breathe or what the heck was going on. But, uh, you know, they finally, he got on like six inhalers and um, a whole bunch of other stuff, but he, he got over it. And now that's one of his biggest fears is what happens if he can't breathe again? Um, you know, you need to have a doctor who you can trust. And a lot of times it's difficult with people with disabilities. And again, I don't know if it's because we know our bodies so well and what we're usually capable of, or if it's just that they're tired of hearing from us. I don't know. Uh, but it's something to keep in mind. One of the questions I get from people all the time is what paperwork do you require from somebody to get them going with a service dog? And usually I don't require any, but I give them this disclaimer. If I train up this dog for you and it costs thousands and thousands of dollars to train this dog up for you and you don't have that disability, you just blew thousands and thousands of dollars, right? Because the dog might be a service dog for this disability and help out with that disability. But if you don't have it, it's not a service dog. And one thing I always told people is I can take one of my service dogs and give them to you with all the training. But unless you have that disability and the dog mitigates the same for you, it doesn't matter. 
right? It doesn't matter. The dog is on a service dog. You can't take the dog out anywhere. I had one client who told me she got a retired service dog. Made clear then to tell me that her and her husband, neither of them had any disabilities whatsoever and were perfectly healthy. But because he was a retired service dog, anytime they go on vacation, including to Disney, they'd bring the dog with them because the dog was a service dog. And I'm like, no, that's not how things work. Uh, so, you know, that's something that you need to keep in mind. Um, but I don't require a letter for new clients coming on usually. Sometimes I do just to, to clarify things on what can help them. Um, but I don't require a letter because what if your doctor's one of the crazy ones and won't give you a letter? What if your doctor's the one who thinks you're faking? I'm going to breathe for six months because he doesn't hear that you're congested and you're telling him that you're congested. You know, what if you can't go to any other doctor because of your insurance and money? You know, what if, what if, what if? So I do not require a letter from the doctor usually saying that you have a disability. Now, I do encourage you to have a letter from your doctor for your records saying that you would benefit from having a service dog, but I don't require a copy of that for my records yet. And Hope might change that. I think we're going to do it with Hope just, again, to cover our butts. But if you sink thousands and thousands of dollars into training up a service dog, and again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, how much is it going to cost you? Look at at least $10,000 between training, getting the dog, vet care, food, treats, toys, equipment. Excuse me, look at at least $10,000 for it, um, which is a tax write-off too. But still, uh, that's what you want to look at. If you're going to put all that into it and you don't have a disability, you're doing it because it'd be that much fun to take Fluffy everywhere. It's still not a service dog, okay? Uh here, Melissa commented, I went blind in my left eye until I saw my specialist doctors were still implying that I was overreacting. I'm now in waiting for a cornea transplant. I truly believe doctors write off, off um, to a point thinking we're seeking drugs or attention. Yeah. 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 I see it. Like, so I see it. I see it. I see it. And I hate it. It kills me because it happens so frequently, so frequently. And I, so I got diagnosed when I was 19. I've been passing out since I was like eight years old. I remember passing out. My first time I remember passing out. It was hot. It was summer. Our house didn't have central air because we lived in Pennsylvania. We had window units. I was upstairs in the bathroom and I passed out. I thought I was tired and I fell asleep because when I came to, I kind of splashed off. I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was so tired or something. I had fallen asleep in the bathroom. That's what I thought for the longest time. I thought that for over 10 years that I had just fallen asleep in the bathroom. How weird is that, that an eight-year-old child who's out, again, remember, guys, this is back in the 80s. What did you do in the 80s? You went outside and you played with your friends. You rode bikes all day. You had fun all day. Yeah, except whenever you have no recreation, they think of people end up passing out in the bathroom. Next big times I remember passing out, we were living in Connecticut, and I had a hot shower <laughs> with the door shut because it was the shower, the bathroom was on the main level. So everyone was outside, out there, you know, now I shower with my door open. Since as much as I can, like if I have a bathroom in my bedroom, I shower with the door open so it doesn't get as hot. I try not to take as hot as showers. Um, but I passed out getting out of the shower. Big old goose egg, doctors didn't know, they kept me home from school that day. Um, I passed out a few other times and then it got to be where Vicky was just a fainter. I just passed out. Until I was 19, and I was up in Indian summer, up in Milwaukee. 
and it's i think it was august or september and i was there with a friend because she liked the indian stuff too and we we're standing up watching the everyone entering and what happens to me is apparently it's called an aura and epileptic people get it too um the sound just went like this the sight just went like this and it's kind of like we went from a wide to a telescopic angle, like those Bond movies where it's like, dur, 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 dur. that's what it felt like. And a ringing in the ears. And that's all I remember until I came to and it was fuzzy in an ambulance. And then I was in the emergency room at the hospital and they're trying to have me sign something. I didn't know what the heck was going on. And this was, I was 19. So yeah, this was mid nineties. Um, no, we didn't have cell phones. So they called my parents. My parents were coming from the next county over because we were about an hour away. Uh, but they put me in an MRI. I think I got a CAT scan. Um, they're like, there's nothing wrong, wrong. Um, go see this cardiologist in Waukesha. And that was Dr. Who was that? Leech, I want to say. Maybe that's wrong. Some doctor up there who was fantastic. He saw me, he ordered a tilt table test. I passed it with flying colors. Um, he actually told me he wanted to take me on tour because I was really good at passing out on a tilt table to show doctors, this is what you want to look for. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. And at the time, so when I was 19, again, mid nineties, uh, nobody I knew had it. The internet wasn't around. I couldn't connect with other people who had it. Now, like everybody I talk to has POTS. Um, not all of them have the neurocardiogenic syncope. And then there's a new, another one called basal vagal syncope, which I think a little bit different from neurocardiogenic, but it's weird, you know, like, I'm like, guys, I, you know, like, I totally know what, what it is because I've been dealing this, this for like my whole life. Like, I know what it is you're going through and my in-laws bless them. See, I didn't say bless their heart because I'm Southern. I know what that really means now, but bless them. We were at a friend's wedding up in Wisconsin. Um, I think Rich and I were still dating. I don't think we were married yet. No, we weren't. And uh, we were sitting at the table and one of the guys there was a cardiologist and so they were talking to him about it. And he said, yeah, some people do outgrow it. So they were all excited, hoping I'd outgrow it. And I never did. Um, sometimes pregnancy makes it better. Sometimes pregnancy makes it worse. For me, it made it worse. Um, but yeah, so it's something that, you know, you just, you kind of get to learn to live with. Doesn't make it better, but it totally doesn't mean that you're faking it. Uh, and having lived with something your whole life, like you got to wonder too, like normal people don't have to go through this. And it's weird. Like just the thoughts that come to me. Anyway, back to my questions here. Um, Carolyn. Uh, there we go. I have an old letter. I tried to update the doc said he won't write them anymore due to some doc being named in a case and too much liability. Are you kidding me? Carolyn, if you guys don't know, that's Roma's owner. Roma, who I totally want to steal back because she's so sweet. Um, but, and Rich is like, but we don't have to keep her just because you like her. And I'm like, I know, but I miss her. She's the sweetest one always. Um, and so Carolyn, you really have to move down here. So then I don't miss Roma as much. <laughs> Uh, yes, I never even thought of that, Carolyn. That is, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And how much is, is that going to happen, you know, from here on out? Um, doctors want to do that. Um, Nicole says, my last therapist wouldn't write a letter for my last job for my service dog. She said, if I needed my dog to do work, 
then I should apply for disability and she would provide me with any documentation that I needed for that. Not my regular doc. Uh, now my regular doc helps me and is very supportive. Yeah. I'm about a little less than halfway done with this. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, and people are nuts. Like, I don't want to go on disability. I'm, yes, I have a disability. I still can contribute to society, especially with what I do. Like, I train dogs with my husband and my son. It works. Like, if I'm having a bad day, Rich and Luke pick up the slack. And I'm in a bad time right now. You guys know that it's been going on for the last, like, four weeks. It's not the greatest time. It stinks. But they can pick up the slack. They know whenever I have off days, not a lot gets done um, from me. So I try to. When I'm doing good, I try to get stuff done. When I'm doing bad, I don't. Maybe I sleep more. Maybe I watch TV. Maybe I did some paintings over the weekend, you know, because I can't do too much of anything. Like, I can't take a dog out and work them in this heat. Now, we did take Roma yesterday. I mean to do a plug here. Um, Augie passed his public access test yesterday, which is awesome. So um, so we brought Roma up for that. It was evening. We left here. It was 95 degrees. <laughs> but then it rained, and then it got down to 75 degrees. Yeah, welcome to Florida. Um, you know, so that was okay because it wasn't an all day out in the sun. Now, whenever we do group class, um, hi guys. Uh, whenever we do group class, and the, that wipes me out sometimes for the for the whole morning, especially if it's so hot. So it's something that I have to watch, you know. And that's why if you do a private with me after group class, I'm usually sitting down for it, is because I can't stand it anymore. It doesn't happen. Okay, so Shira says, when I get syncope, it feels like my head is buzzing and the world is swinging sideways. It's so weird. It doesn't happen much. Yep. Yep, and then you, so when I wake up from it too, I'm very confused and disoriented. Um, I remember seeing the tile. So I passed out once when we were at Ocean City on vacation. And this was after Rich and I were married. Um, we were down on vacation. I passed out. I hit my head on the floor, and it was a tile floor, and I had a biggest goose egg ever. And that was the first time Rich had seen me actually full-on pass out, because usually I will... During this time, I get really lazy. I don't do a lot of walking. I don't do a lot of standing. But um, he he saw that. And he saw me afterwards, like I'm twitching and jerking. And he's like, no, that that's not passing out. She just had a seizure. And mom and dad are like, no, this is what it looks like. This is what she does. And he's like, no, it's not. So I feel like sometimes Rich and Luke are kind of blasé about it. But like it's serious and it's annoying. And that's one of the reasons, too, why when we've been going out, Either the knee or the syncope, one or the other reason I'm I'm trying to do the wheelchair when we do the parks is so I can actually go and enjoy it. And I'm not there for 20 minutes saying, okay, we have to leave now. Um, but yeah, so he doesn't always see it because I try to prevent it. But there's been times I'm like, Haha, I, I passed out, you know, in the afternoon when you were in the living room and I was back here. Because when I'm bad, it's hard to call for help even with a cell phone. You know, um, cold wet washcloths is my mom's secret recipe to, to cure everything. So we try to have washcloths back there. And luckily we have the sink right by the bathroom. So if I'm not feeling good, I can splash off or lie down. So those are my two big things. Um, Cause if I'm lying down um, in our bed now, I'm actually gonna flip it to show you. Can you see the bed? It has um, where the legs can go up. So that's on what's called zero gravity where the legs are above the head. 
<laughs> guess what my favorite position in the bed is? <laughs> it's not doggy style. No, it's it's zero gravity. So if my legs feel, if I don't feel good, I'll, I'll lay there so I know more blood's getting to my head. Which is the only reason why I'm still talking right now, or I'd be out. <laughs> um, Carolyn says, I also have POTS. It's called hyperpots, so I know how you feel. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sucky, man. Sounds like yours is worse though. Right? Yeah, it's it's not fun. It's it's really, really, really not fun. Um, but you want to know some things my dogs tell you to help underneath the legs to get the legs to raise. So say I'm out. Um, this happened at Epcot with Arrow last year on my birthday. I wasn't doing good, so I went off to the side and I laid down and Arrow got underneath my legs to raise up my legs. So, um, so I had more blood to my head. They know to stay with me during an event. Um, they could know to go get help if I taught them. So they might know go get rich. And now that we have the doggy doors, it's a lot easier because if he's out on the property somewhere, they can go get him. Whereas when we didn't have doggy doors and they couldn't get out of the house, it wouldn't help at all. Um, I also have Apple Watch. So sometimes when my heart feels really funny, I just hit the little EKG thing and I'll do an EKG reading and I get some funky things showing up there, even though I don't know what it is I'm really looking at. Um, so I'll keep those and I'll show those to the cardiologist or to my doctor next time I see. Um, and it also has the fall alert, which is nice. It's happened a couple of times where my dogs are being jerks and it's like, did you fall? Like, no, I didn't fall. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure I didn't fall. Um, but it's nice now because if I do go out, it'll it'll contact him. It's like an emergency SOS type of thing, which makes life a lot easier. I, I don't feel as worried. And because it's not tied to my phone, if I'm out and I don't have my phone with me, it'll still work. Okay? Because we, we ended up doing, doing that part of it too. Um, so, yeah, so underneath my legs, stay with me during it because coming to – I am so confused and out of it. I don't know where I am. I don't know what just happened. So seeing the dog there is really nice. Okay. So that means if they kept, if they see me lying down, I want them to come by down right beside me. Uh, so that I can, I have something to focus on when I'm coming to. And I'm not as scared and nervous and worried and confused. Um, bring me meds. They can. I don't have meds that I take for it. And the meds don't work for me. Um, and it could be get open up the fridge and get me cold water, except my fridge can't open up easy. Like it takes some oomph to get that fridge to open. And um, because it's a full size fridge and I have a full size freezer too. So that's one that some people will do in, uh, I like ice water. So that's what I have Rich and Luke for. <laughs> um, alerting beforehand. So when I'm having times like this, I will call them over if I'm not doing a webinar and let them lick me. Um, Django's latest is licking me on my leg and on my arm. It's weird, but I let him because I don't know what he's going to pick up that way, but let him. Um, so, so that, uh, hopefully alert me beforehand, um, brace in case I am wonking out of it and I need help getting up slowly. Um, counterbalance and forward momentum pool to help guide me. If I am out of it, like I can't, the newest one for candy, um, because she is of size to do it. I want her to do some light wheelchair pool um, because once you get going, it's just momentum. Like you guys all remember that from physics, right? 
Um, and there's a bunch more, but that's some of them that we've worked on with them. Um, Era's biggest was the alerting and the mobility work. You know, he would alert beforehand and it was fantastic. Um, Shira says, your family's wonderfully supportive. Thank you, Shira. I like your family too. I love your family. They're great. Um, Melissa says, my two-year-old son managed to dislocate my jaw last night. Invisible disabilities are a blast, right? Um, Michelle said, the hospital that I go to, they are no longer allowed to write notes for patients. And that's too where if you have, if you can't get a doctor note saying that you would benefit from having a service dog, if you get your doctor saying you have whatever, you have neurocardiogenic syncope, I would go for that. Okay. But wow. Um, Shira also says, I have to use a wheelchair sometimes too when I'm in large places like Disney. Aiden pulls it for fun, but only downhill, right? Yeah. Um, teach one of the dogs to go get help. Yeah. And then Shira also commented, maybe get an easy to open mini fridge for your water so you can train your dog to get your water. That might work. So one of the reasons why we did it, Shira, so you remember Arrow. Like I can so imagine if he had access to the fridge that we would come home and he would have emptied the fridge of everything and hit it around the house and eaten the meat. Like I so know he would have done that because he had a character. Uh, but if we have a mini fridge just filled with water, that should work, you know? And I mean, really, if I just need something to drink and I, I have to settle for a, a lukewarm, tepid room temperature water, you know, beggars can't be choosers, but it's fun to get the ice cold water. Um, so yeah, so I am done. If you guys haven't been able to figure it out, I, I'm trying to remember what it is I'm talking about and I'm getting a lot of brain fog. So I'm going to sign off now. Um, this will be uploaded, like I said, to the How to Train Your Service Dog podcast. So if you are some of the old ones that we've done, sometimes we do Q&As, sometimes we have a topic, sometimes I just ramble. It's fun. You never know what we're going to talk about. But you're going to learn more about me than you ever wanted to know. Uh, go ahead and search it up on your podcast player. Any podcast player has us. It's called How to Train Your Service Dog. Also look for our Facebook group and join it, How to Fa Train Your Service Dog online discussion group. Uh, where we talk about this and other things involved in training our own service dog. Um, we do have breaking news. Um, we're scheduling a, not a webinar because it's in person, a seminar for February for service dog training. And because of the health thing, like I can't travel right now because I'm not doing well. Um, so I can't schedule a workshop for the future, not knowing if I'm going to be feeling well. So I don't want to do one on my own and have all that pressure on me. And I get there and I'm not feeling great. So Karen uh, and Rich and I are doing a seminar in February. Now Karen trainer too. Um, so we're gonna be doing a service dog training seminar. If you are a dog trainer who wants to learn how to train service dogs better and do more things better too. And if you want a, if you're a owner trainer or you wanna be an owner trainer and you wanna learn more about it, this seminar is something you cannot miss, okay? More information will be released in the future. Just right now, no, February. Start putting your pennies away for February. And it'll be here at the ranch in Central Florida. So you can look. Um, the best hotel is up in Wildwood. Um, it's a comfort inn. There's a couple in Bushnell. There's a couple others up in Wildwood. There's the Villages. There's Leesburg. Wildwood is my top pick for you at the comfort inn there. Uh, it's going to likely be a three-day one, a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Why? What are you doing? Did you just put that up? No, I'm going to put this 
Are you talking on video? Yes, I am, but I'm confused. I'll be there. Oh, that's fantastic, Carolyn. So yeah, I'll, I'll put the information out there um, because it's going to be See, amazing. This is the one that I guess. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's like a three dollar frame, but still, it's um, it's going to be put up. So so if you didn't get my wibbly wobbly timey wimey reference from before, it's from him. It's from Dope Blake with the Weeping Angels. No, hold on. It needs to be over here by Wonder Woman. I know, but how? There's hold no on. I'll, I'll tell you. Don't worry about it. I know. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So, we have the webinar, Carolyn. I will pencil you in for it. How would I, I get rid of these? How would I get rid of these and put it right there? Uh-huh. That's what I was going to say. Um, but it's going to be amazing. Um, we did it a year and a half ago. I didn't do it this past January because of the whole hoo-ha cancer scare. But we're going to be doing it again in February of 2020. And, and like I said, it's going to be a three-day weekend. It's going to be jam-packed, full of stuff. I want you guys to bring yeah, a service I'm dog to work. Well. If you don't have a dog who is a service dog or a really well-trained dog, I will have dogs available for you to work. Um, and this is something that really you cannot miss. If, if you're interested in this, if you're interested in training or getting your dog trained to a better degree, you need this. Okay? And it'll be in February. But I'll officially announce it later. I just wanted you to do a little sneak peek. Are you going to do a webinar too? It depends. If we do anything, um, it'll be a private Facebook group with the videos in it, and we let you into that. Um, I had a trainer friend who had done that, and it worked out real nice. So you have access to it for, say, a month, and then that's it. But it'll be available then for people for in the future. So we'll see. I'd love to have you, Shira. I'd love to go if I can. So, so yeah, like I said, let me know. I'll add you to the list if you guys are interested. Tag me if you have any questions in here because it doesn't only show up whenever people comment. And I will see you guys week at the same bat time and the same bat channel.